Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A Dominion podcast. It's fading it. Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion <laughs> podcast. Dominion parenting. Um, Hi, my name is Adam. This is Jake. Hey, how is everybody doing? Um, you can't answer Could, me. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Are, are you hearing that? Can you hear what? that? What? He's crapping himself right now. Oh, good. Um, I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> it's so definitely the baby. That's uh, and one not out of, Jake. One out of three people here is currently losing control of their bodily functions. Oh, he has control over it. He's just choosing not to exercise he's, that control. No, he's controlling he's it right into his right diaper. Now. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this week we are actually going through the Renaissance expansion, and we get to go through our hot takes. We get to basically just go through all the cards and talk about, uh, we're going to rate them 1 to 10. 0 to 10. 0 to 10. And we're going to rate them what they, what we think they are. Uh, know this, by the time you hear this, it will not be right now. Because, <laughs> uh, we're not allowed to release this until later, so... Uh, we'll have had the chance to maybe get a little older and wiser with these cards by this time, but right now, these are the takes that we have just with our experience playtesting and where we think the cards lie power-wise. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame that you won't be able to hear that for a while, but uh, but hey, <laughs> instead of instead of that, you'll be hearing a mini-sode! Mini-sodes! As of right great. now, I actually haven't even decided which one you're going to hear, but it's probably one of the ones that Wandering Winter did. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. So uh, I I hope you like that, whatever that is. Well, he makes some pretty good content, so you are in good hands yeah. one way or the other. Actually, uh, better hand. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, a good hand is usually, like, if you uh, have a good deck and make yeah. your own shuffle luck or something like that. That's true. So anyway, uh, there was there's actually a little piece of... Uh, uh, a little something I wanted to address last episode, but okay. I forgot. What's that? Uh, it was about our previous episode on Menagerie. Okay. So um, we were pretty down in the dumps about putting Menagerie in a money density focused deck. Sure, because and, you've uh, got so many coppers. And yeah, like you're not going to make an effort to thin any of those cards. Right. And, uh, you know, Menagerie does not have a high chance of, of uh, triggering in that deck. However, uh, if you look on the forums, you can hop onto adamhorton.com. And uh, you can go to the forums there, and Wandering Winder has posted a little bit of mathematical equations, and uh, as he has wants to do. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like math? Yeah, nobody. In any case, uh, he posted some of that stuff, and uh, actually, there was there was a little bit of a surprising result that's slightly contrary to, to the things we were saying. Um, now, if you have like two silvers, two golds, and like two woodcutters in your in your deck, along with the ten starting cards, I know Parker. That doesn't sound like a great situation for Menagerie, and you'd be right if you if you said it wasn't. Uh, however, uh, that gives you about a twenty percent chance of hitting your Menagerie. Okay, which is bad, right? That uh, sounds bad. That sucks. On the other hand, it turns out that when Menagerie does hit in that deck, it's so good that it's still, on average, is better than a silver by that point. Really? Yeah. Okay, so how many silvers do you have to have in the deck before you start putting in menageries instead? Two, apparently, and so, two terminal, and two something else's, and two golds. So by the time you have two golds, two 
something else's Wood and two cutters. silvers, yeah. whatever's, uh, you start putting menageries in the deck when you don't hit six. Well, uh, two menageries. <laughs> Up to two menageries in the deck when you don't hit six. Nah. That's really weird. I would not have expected that. And but... then, like, the first and second provinces are good, but then the third province is bad. Uh, well, it's... but, I mean, the province is very good because that's the goal of the deck. Right. I mean, right, it's not so... good for you, but it increases the chance of your menagerie hitting. But it also decreases the upside of, of that menagerie hitting. Neat. So, overall, it's good for menagerie. It's really weird. Uh, the thing is, like, I, I don't know. I kind of wonder about it because, like... If I had a silver instead of a menagerie in a hand that hit, then I probably could have bought a, a province anyway if that was a silver, right? So, like, this huge spike in money density, how good is it? That's uh, that's an unanswered question. Yeah, and also, the the other weird question is, like, how often are you going to be playing big money on a board that has menagerie? And, like, nothing better for your big right. money than menagerie. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's a little weird, too. Yeah. But uh, these are really interesting points and good things to think about. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. So it is. No, it is, definitely. Now, today, we're going to have some really interesting things to say about Renaissance, because we're probably going to be wrong about most of this, which is the cool part. Yeah, but unfortunately, um, we're going to have to stop recording this. Because uh, you're about to listen to a mini-sode, and then we're going to press the record button again, and not oh, yeah. release that for several months. So nice. enjoy the mini-sode! Uh, well, yeah, let us know who's president. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't even make sense. Adam, get, shut up. Alright, <laughs> so... You've upset the baby. Sorry. Oh god, he's like spitting up all over himself. I have a feeling... Bye. Making luck mini-sode. 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 Wandering Winter here with another Making Luck mini-sode. Today, we're talking about money again, and this time, we're talking about dem points. Uh, points what you need to win the game, in some sense. Um, and while in a lot of contexts... Uh, Winning the game is actually more about ending the game while you're ahead. For the money deck, it's more the opposite. Uh, winning the game is about being ahead when the game ends. Um, they'll sound like they're the same thing, but there's a slightly different emphasis, which will hopefully become more clear as time goes on. But in any case, uh, Knowing kind of how you're planning to win and when to go for which green cards based upon that is an extremely important skill for a player playing a money deck. You want to make sure that you aren't greening too early, that you aren't greening too late, that you're not greening with the wrong green, um, and that you are playing in order to win the game to beat your opponent rather than to just do something which is quote-unquote generically good or right because there's no such thing as a generic game in reality you're always playing against an opponent um, now things probably change the more import uh, the more opponents that you get and so things might be closer to generic with with more opponents than that, but for the purposes of this mini-sode anyway, um, we're just going to be talking about a, a two-player game of Dominion. Okay, so what green cards should I get, and when should I get them? Well, I think it's useful to start at the beginning here, um, and so one very basic big money deck is 
something that you might think about because it's the best deck that's available on every board. What I mean by that is not that on every board it's the best deck available. I mean that of the decks that are available on every board, it's the one that's the best. We call that big money ultimate. Um, because the cards that are available on every board are only are limited to copper, silver, gold, uh, estate, duchy, province, and I guess curse, but spoiler alert, don't get any curses. Um, uh, you know, we're looking for the best strategy making making use of only these cards. I guess technically you should get a curse if it ends the game in a win for you this turn, but okay, this is not very relevant and not very useful because you can see that when the time comes. Anyway, um, so in a game where only these cards are present, um, people a long time ago figured out the strategy they call Big Money Ultimate. What's the best strategy there? And the simplest version of Big Money was just always, okay, I'm going to buy a province if I can. If I can't, I'm going to buy a gold. If I can't do that, I'm going to buy a silver. And people quickly worked out, I'm not going to buy a copper ever. Um, obviously, this isn't a great strategy, as at some point you should be buying duchies and estates. Um, so... The next step, and this is what usually gets called big money ultimate, uh, was to figure out when should I buy duchies and estates. And what they worked out was when there are five provinces or fewer left, you should start preferring duchy to, uh, well, you should start buying duchy basically, you prefer duchy to anything but province. Um, and when there's two or fewer left, then you should be start to buy estates, two or fewer provinces, that is. Um, and that's all well and good, but it's also not exactly correct. Um, so, how is it not correct? Well, there's a few ways. One is that um, you should think about opportunity cost. What are you giving up? So the opportunity cost of a duchy is sometimes a silver and sometimes a gold, depending on whether you have five, six, or seven. Um, I guess I should mention also all of these, you know, from the beginning of time, you're assuming you're never going to buy a card that ends, that forces the game to be ended in a loss for you. So you're not going to buy that last province if you still are behind after you get it. So that's assumed already. Um, but okay. Uh, Duchy, you know, it, it makes a difference whether you know, you have five, six, or seven. If you have five, you can't get a gold. So all you're giving up is a silver. So you should be more likely to get a duchy if you only have exactly five um, than you would if you had six or seven. And so with that wrinkle added in, you can see that you should start buying duchies if you have exactly five and there's six provinces or fewer left. Um... But if you have six or seven, you should wait to buy duchies until there's only four provinces or fewer left. Um, and so that's, you know, that's another improvement on that original simulated result. Um, and all of these results, you know, we started to learn them by using simulators because uh, this kind of game is so simple that you can approximate good play with a simulator. But you can see that even in this very simple case, you really need to be very intelligent about what you're doing with these simulators, and you could easily learn the wrong things from them uh, because there are situations that come up that maybe you haven't accounted for. So you really need to be able to account for those situations, basically, 
And if you aren't including that in your simulation, then you're going to get bad results out because you fed, fed in bad options and bad conditions. Uh, okay, so again, simulators can be useful the closer that you are towards including all you know possible relevant considerations in the simulation. Uh, the further away you get from that, the, the less useful they become, and they start to tell you less and less down to nothing. Okay, great. So beyond that, what, what else is going on here? Um, well, there's, there's still more improvements to be made yet anyway. And the next thing I'm going to bring up is going to make Adam cringe because I'm going to say the words PPR. I'm going to say penultimate province rule. What is the penultimate province rule? So the first thing is that people who know of this rule often get it wrong. They misunderstand it or they apply it wrong or they don't understand what it is. There's just all kinds of problems with it. So to, to the extent where I, I think I agree with Adam that in large part it's probably done more harm than good. Uh, but what it actually says is that if there are exactly two provinces left in the supply, then you should not buy this second to last province if the following conditions are met. And you need all of these conditions to be met. One, if after you buy the province, your opponent can buy a province on the next turn, and if they do so, you will lose the game. In that case, you should not buy a province. Assuming that this can, other condition is also met, that if, if the alternative card that you're buying, which is usually going to be a duchy, or if the duchies are gone, then it's going to be an estate. Um, if by buying that, then after that, if your opponent then buys a province on their next turn, and then you buy a province on your next turn, you would then win the game. So basically what this means is if you're down by like uh, one or two points, um, or if you went first, if you're down by zero, one or two points, and so ties, it's a little bit edge casey here. But basically in those situations, you want to prefer a duchy to the second to last province. Um, but in all other situations go ahead and buy the second to last province. And so the biggest way that people misapply this is that they'll be down by four or five or something and they'll buy a duchy instead of the second to last province. This is usually really bad um, because basically in order to win from that situation, you're going to need to buy both of these provinces. So you might as well buy the one now. <laughs> um, you know, if you're down six or seven or something, it's even worse. Uh, so you should just go ahead and get the province in that case and not worry about it because by buying the duchy, you then need to buy, you need to have two more hands that are going to province again, and that's just very unlikely. And in order for it to help you, you're going to need your opponent to not be able to really do anything, and that's unrealistic too. In fact, uh, this penultimate province rule can can actually be improved on a little bit because uh, well, more than likely, your opponent is either going to uh, apply it themselves or they're going to be able to get a duchy, right? Um, and so they can get a duchy and then you end up duchy dancing. Or they can at least get an estate. And if they get an estate and then you still can't province then, then you haven't really gotten yourself ahead very much. 
etc., etc., etc. You need to also understand like whose deck is stronger at this point. If your deck is uh, going to benefit by duchy dancing, the more you want to buy a duchy rather than the province. Uh, but if your deck is actually worse than theirs, then by duchy dancing more, um, you're making the game go longer and making the game go longer in that kind of a case is usually a bad thing for you because, well, you're probably likely to lose either way. You're more likely to lose than win. But in the shorter game, there's going to be more room for one bad or good hand from the wrong player at the wrong time to flip the results of the game. The longer the game goes, the closer to average everything should be. And So if your deck is worse, uh, you want the game to go shorter rather than longer, basically. Um... So, so that's actually something that's really important to keep in mind as well. Um, and the other thing to notice is that, first of all, the, the penultimate province rule, that situation with all of those conditionals where you're behind, but not behind by too much, and you can get a duchy, and then you know this province-province thing is going to happen or is reasonably likely to happen, all of that comes up, first of all, very, very infrequently to start with. And even if it does... Usually it's only like a few percent better to wait on the province and get it later because, um, well, you need to get that exact even number of trading provinces back back and forth with your opponent for it to matter. And it's very often going to be the case that one of you gets a province hand twice before the other one anyway. So it doesn't help you very much. Um, and if you misapply it, it can hurt you a lot. So this is why Adam doesn't like it. But the general principle is the important thing here. Um, and that's to think about, you know, how is the actual edge condition of the game ending going to apply to, to what I do? If I do this now, you know, how can they, how can my opponent answer me? And how is that going to make a difference on who wins the game or not? Um, And I think a more important thing that gets talked about much less in these situations, actually, is, is the duchy or the estate or whatever card that you're getting actually helping you? Or is it worthless? So, you know, we talked about when there's five or four provinces left, you start to get duchies, what have you. But it actually, it's really important what the score is at this point, too. Because a lot of people waste a lot of time buying worthless duchies. If you are behind by four points and there are two provinces left, then buying a duchy is like not very helpful. We talked about this a minute ago uh, in the penultimate province rule case. Now, instead of being down by four, I'm down by one. Big deal. <laughs> There's two provinces left. It's not going to matter that I'm down, whether I'm down by one or down by four. The only way that that's going to matter is if my opponent does nothing or gets an estate. And then I get another duchy, and they get do nothing again, or they get the province then, and then I get the province. You know, we have equal provinces after that. If I'm down by five, it's actually even worse, because, like, if I'm down by five, and I went first, and I get a duchy, and then they get an estate, now I'm down by three, I get another duchy, I still need to get yet another duchy before I'm catching up the points. It's just not going to matter. The The way I'm going to win the game is by getting both provinces. Um you know, if you're down by seven points and you get a duchy, what are you doing? Um, if there's one province left, then it's great because <laughs> you need to get the duchy, right? But if there's two provinces left, I get the duchy, I'm down by seven. Like, what am I doing now? I'm down by four. 
like, how am I winning this game? I have to get both provinces. I shouldn't get the duchy. I should get something to make make it more likely that I get both provinces before my opponent does. Um, if there's one province left, it starts it starts to come up in getting a states too, right? If there's one province left and I'm you know down by five points, is getting an estate going to help me? Well, not really. If I get an estate, now I'm down by four points. My opponent gets a duchy then I need to go duchy back and forth with them. The state isn't really helping. If there's three provinces left, so things change. The, the basic point here is not to try to run down every possible example and figure out for you, okay, here duchy is valuable, here it's not. It's to, it's to be able to think about, is this duchy actually going to put me in a position where it changes the outcome of the game? Um, and if it doesn't, then don't get it. Get something that helps your deck that will increase the chances of you winning the game. Because, and, and this is probably the most important thing that I'm going to say across all of what's going on here. And that's to say, it doesn't matter how much you win or lose by. What matters is whether you win or lose. So losing by one instead of losing by four doesn't make a difference. Losing by two instead of losing by five doesn't make a difference. Losing by 20 instead of losing by 40 doesn't make a difference. Losing by 30 instead of losing by 1 doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference by how much you win or how much you lose. Uh, and so don't get points because, well, okay, it seems like I should be getting points now. Get points because th there is some scenario that you can see where getting these points is going to shift you from a loss to a win either because you've built up your lead and so it's harder for your opponent to catch up to you in a meaningfully harder way, not that they will catch up by less or that they'll be less ahead when they do catch up, but it means it's less likely for them to catch up to you. Um, or that if you are behind, then it makes it more likely for you to catch up to your opponent. And specifically, it needs to change that likelihood in relationship to whatever other card that you could be getting. So there is some scenario, of course, where buying a duchy means that your opponent then duds for three turns in a row and can only get a states, and then you get more duchies, and then you get a province, and then you're even on provinces, and it's all good. But this is extremely unlikely, and getting an extra an extra good card for your deck, like a gold or something, um, is going to make it much more likely that you win because it's a lot more likely that you're going to win by getting two provinces than by somehow outracing them duchy against a state many turns in a row. Um, so the other thing that comes into that is where you are in a shuffle. So if I'm right before a shuffle, then adding the yellow card or the gray or white or whatever the action or treasure, basically the card that helps your deck, is going to have a better chance of helping you win the game because it's more likely that the impact of that card, which is only seen when it's played, is going to outweigh the impact of the green card, which has its impact no matter when you get it. Um, because basically, if I'm right before a shuffle, then it's more likely that I'm going to see the deck-improving card before the game ends. Whereas, if I'm right after a shuffle and there's going to be four more turns before the game ends, then it's less likely that I'm going to 
get back to a turn where this card that I'm adding to my deck actually helps me. And actually that goes both ways because the green card also hurts your deck. So the closer you are to a shuffle, the more likely in general that it's better for you to be getting a card that improves your deck. Um, But you also have to take this in relation to how close the game is to ending. Uh, You know, if there's four provinces left, then it doesn't matter as much because you're probably going to see all of your next shuffle. And so it doesn't really matter as much, you know, how where you are in the shuffle because you're going to see the full shuffle either way. Um, okay. So, in general, though, uh, there's other things. So, what we all, all the stuff that we just talked about is useful concepts to think about in general. But in terms of the exact numbers, uh, you shouldn't take too much stock into them because. This is really hyper-focused when I was talking about here's when you should start buying Dachi and here's when you should start buying Estate. That's assuming that your opponent is doing something very similar to you. And very often that's not the case. And You need to be able to know how to play, when to green, and what kinds of green to get in uh, different situations for depending on larger strategic differences. So um, the biggest way that a money deck in, in my experience, usually tries to win is by what I call front-running. And what, what I mean by front-running is that you get a points lead and you never let go of the points lead. So you are trying to get to the point where you have effectively half of the, half of the points that are available on the board. Now, in order for that to be happen, there needs to be a finite number of points on the board, basically. So... Uh, there are a lot of basically, you know, with your just basic cards, there is a finite number of points. There's your starting estates plus the eight estates in the pile plus the eight duchies plus the eight provinces, and that's it. And then there's the ten curses, but realistically, neither of you are going to touch those. Um, if there is a cursing attack, you need to count that cur- those curses as part of your fifty percent of your points that you could be forced to take those curses. Um, and additionally, uh, if there's other other ways of scoring points besides duchies, estates, and provinces, you need to take that into account. So if it's something like tunnel, which is just worth two points, then it's pretty easy to take into account. There's just you know eight extra sets of tunnels, so that's 16 more points. Um, but if it's something with a variable amount of points, uh, like gardens, which could be worth a lot of points... Uh, then you're kind of out of luck from getting an actual 50%. Um, and especially, this goes most of all for uh, victory point tokens, uh, which are actually limitless, and most of the effects that give them to you, if not all of them, I'm not entirely up to date on all the newest stuff, but most, if not all, of those effects, you you actually can get either an unlimited or an effectively unlimited number. Technically, goons, you have to have stuff to keep buying in order to keep scoring the points, but there's so many points available there that basically just from getting green cards, you're never actually going to get to to 50% of the VP. Why is 50% of the VP important? Well, if you're second player and you have uh, half of the victory points, then you, you, you just win. If you have half of the possible victory points, you are going to win eventually because... No matter what your opponent does, they can't ever outscore you. And if you went second, then it doesn't matter. You know, you're not going to end the game on a tie. Uh, and so either you are going to have 
some chance at some point to score another point, and then you have more than half the points, or they're going to end it, and then you're going to win on the tiebreak. Uh, if you're first player, you need 50% plus one of the VP, actually, and that way, whenever the game ends, you will for sure have more points than them. Um, now, what do I mean? What's the difference between 50% or 50% plus one and effective 50%? Well, the difference there, the important thing about the difference there is that effective 50%, you don't technically need 50% of the VP. You need enough victory points that even if your deck is like quite trashed and very much limping along, uh, it will take your opponent long enough to catch up to you that you can just limp ahead and get, get to 50% there. What I mean by that is, you know, if your opponent is playing a deck where realistically they might be able to buy three cards a turn, you have five provinces and two duchies, uh, technically there's enough victory points left in the supply that if they get all of them, they would win. But if they're only be able to get three things a turn, then they have to get three duchies, and then they have to get three more duchies, and then they have to get two provinces and an estate more than what you're getting in the same amount of time. So if you could just go estate, 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 then they're dead, right? Um, and if you, because they're going to have to get three duchies and then three duchies and then three estates, and then they're out of time and they still need to be able to get these provinces. If there's piles out, then that can factor in because they can't get both the duchies and the estates gone. Um, if you can get a duchy in that case that I talked about before, where you already have two and you have three provinces, then they need like all of the estates and that's just not going to happen. Um, so it, it's important to know like what your opponent's capabilities are, because if for instance, instead of this, they can get three things a turn deck, they're playing something where eventually they're going to have, you know, King's court, King's court, bridge, 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 and then play, you know, maybe they played, five other plus buy cards before that, then they can buy every point in the supply left or something, right? And so they're going to be able to catch up to you. Um, and so effective 50% of the VP means that basically it, it takes into account that because you started with getting efficient sources of VP, because a province is more efficient than a duchy in two ways, it, it uh, is both uh, more points per money that you spent on it um, and so it's harder for them to be able to catch up because they have to be buying m less efficiently in terms of money, but also per card um, because uh, a province is six points a card. And if they have to try to catch up with an estates, then they're going to have to get six cards worth of junk in their deck in order to catch up like that. Um, and so you need to be able to understand like, can your, how much money can your opponent stack actually muster how many cards per turn can they actually muster as well? Uh, and and that lets you know how much of a, a gap you have in order to be able to limp through towards the 50% VP mark. Um, if there aren't cursing attacks, or, well, even if there are cursing attacks to some extent, but if there aren't significant sources of alt VP, like gardens or vineyards or victory point tokens or silk roads or something, something like this that scales over time, uh, then usually for 50% of the VP, if you're just talking about strictly the basic uh, estates, duchies, and provinces, usually in order to get to effective 50%, you're kind of aiming for you know, roughly five provinces and a duchy or two. 
um, and then you can let your deck kind of collapse from that point. Um, if there's an extra set of like tunnels or something that's worth a little bit more points, two is the most common uh, number of points here. So if there's like tunnel or nobles or harem or something like that, then uh, in this case you need a little more points. It's usually you know like six provinces, five provinces, and at least three duchies, maybe four duchies, something like this. Again, you need to you need to keep track of what your opponent's doing a little bit. Um, but anyway, this is this is front running, and it's mostly about speed with enough longevity to get there. Um, but I do want to point out that in the mirror match where they're trying to do the same thing as you. Uh, you need to be diving for points earlier. And actually, this is going to be the case in, in almost all of these scenarios. You need to be going for points earlier because of this efficiency thing we talked about before. Uh, it'd be great to you know go for five provinces and two duchies, but realistically, if they're doing the same thing as you and they start faster, then they get to four provinces, and then you have three provinces, and you're in a bad, bad you know, they have a duchy, you're in a bad place because, well, maybe your deck is better because you were aiming for a little bit bigger chunk than them, but their point efficiency is so much ahead of you that it's going to be hard to catch up. So in the mirrors, you definitely need to die for, for points faster because the game is going to end because uh, you're going for the same thing. Um, so that's, that's front running. Um, my personal favorite way for these money decks to work, and I say it's favorite, but... Um, what I mean by that is I like boards where it's good. I will play the... In general, you always want to play whichever, whatever the board and your opponent are telling you to do. Much more so than... Uh, much more so than just saying, well, I like this style of thing. Um, if you just always go with what style you like, you're going to be playing suboptimally a, a lot of the time. Um, unless the style you, you like is winning, <laughs> in which case go for it. Um, but outlasting, what I mean here is what we usually call a slog. You are building a deck where eventually you are going to score more points than they ever can. Um, but it's not that you're racing ahead to getting a more efficient set of points such that they can't catch up because the points that are left are so inefficient. It's that you are going for so many points that the quality of their deck will wreck itself before it can catch up to you and or eventually you're going to secure 50% of the VP. But it's less about speed and more about longevity. Um, you're playing for the long game. If you're doing this and your opponent is mirroring you, then you need to go for whatever well of points that is that's handiest to you. So if, you're, if your plan is to outlast them by scoring a lot of points with very lucrative Silk Roads, and the Silk Road split becomes more important. Um, if your opponent, if your plan is to outlast them with Duchy Duke, then that Duchy split is important, such that if they're mirroring you, you can't really plan to outlast them nearly as well, and you kind of need to be able to secure your chunk of the points well enough. Um, having said that, it is possible still, even in a mirror, to green too early, and in that case you just need to be able to make sure that you have an opportunity to take advantage of the amount of time where their deck is wrecked. Um, and so if they get, you know, province on turn three, or not province, they get duchy on turn, if they get Silk Road, let's say, on turn three, 
then okay, they can just keep buying Silk Roads for the next five turns, but they're not going to be able to get all of the other things that they need in order to actually make those Silk Roads be worth enough points, right? So this is just something you need to keep in mind, is that yes, in a mirror you need to go for a split more, um, but anyway, you still need to have enough enough uh, enough of an economy and enough of, enough of debt quality to be able to get to that halfway point um, faster than them. And generally, you want to be able to get a tiny bit past that halfway point at least. Um, but if you're outlasting them, then and you're not mirrored, then they're probably trying to win via provinces or maybe by a pile out. But let's say provinces because it's far, far more common. In that case where they're trying to go for provinces and you're trying to outlast them, you need to make sure that you're not buying provinces because how are you winning this game? You're winning this game by the game going long enough that your deck that's very resilient to having a long game because it's very thick so it can handle having a lot of green cards in it. You're, it's eventually going to be of a higher quality and so you're trying to outlast them. The long game favors you. The way that you win the game is by the game going very long and then you score more points than them. The way they win the game in this case is by ending the game before you have that big swath of points that you're going for set up. How do they end the game? They end the game by emptying the provinces. So you want to make sure you're not helping them do that. And to the extent you can, if they're going for a pile ending, then you need to you know, not help them end it that way as well because that's not helping you win. It's helping them win. The last way, uh, province emptying. Sometimes you have to win the game by province emptying. And this is kind of like the front running we talked about before in terms of it's about speed. But again, you need to make sure you have enough longevity uh, that that you can actually finish the game. So if you're going for province emptying, that means that your opponent, you've got to assume they're not going to help you. Um, they're going for some other source of points. And you know, assuming that they're playing reasonably, then they're going to be able to eventually get to enough points where they're going to be able to win the game. Um, and so if you start to help them to make the game longer, then that's bad for you because, well, the longer the game goes, the more their points are going to be worth. Um, and you don't want to help them by doing that. You want to just be getting provinces. And because you're trying to end the game that way before they can catch up to you, you basically almost never want to touch other kinds of green cards in this in this case. So you just get provinces and cards that help your deck. Uh, you don't get green cards otherwise, unless it's like the last turn of the game and you need to, to be ahead of them right now. But you really need to be very suspicious of that because every other green card you get is going to hurt your chances of being able to actually end the game. Whereas... Uh, how you actually win is by emptying all of the provinces. Um, so sometimes people talk about denying your opponent points. So if they're going for a duchy duke, say, you get some duchies to deny them points. Um, this only makes sense if by if you can get enough duchies, in this case, enough of whatever card it is that you're denying them, such that they they can't ever actually get to the point where they're outlasting you. And this is extremely rare, actually. Usually if you're going to go for denial, you really should just be going for the mirror. Um, and otherwise, just don't, don't try to deny them because you're actually speeding them up or, and or slowing yourself down. 
So don't denial is usually a bad strategy, um, unless your opponent is going for something that's just truly terrible and they can't really outlast you very well. Anyway, in which case you can probably win almost no matter what. Um, so like you know, keep a head on you, be a little bit intelligent. But denial is usually usually not worth it. So really be sure if you're going to try to deny your opponent. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about in this greening episode is when should you start greening in a more general sense. Um, and like the benchmarks we talked about before is something to think about in general. Uh, it, it's something to think about in the mirrors, right? Around when there's eh, four to six provinces left, depending on how good it, what it is that you're giving up and how likely these duchies and such are actually going to be to help you uh, win. Um in general, you would prefer it if you can get all of your economic cards first and then your green cards, because that that way you get the maximal time out of your economic cards and the minimal time uh, with the green cards leeching the quality out of your deck. But because of the way that money decks work and the amount of variance that's in them, usually you can't be that picky on that. And if you can get a province now, you usually sh- just should. There's the slight case where it's too early and you should actually get an economic card, even if you could get a province in lieu of the province. Um, but it's pretty rare for you to get to be able to get something that early. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but, but in general, you, you want to make sure that when you're greening, you're doing it either to maximize the efficiency of the green cards that you get in combination with you want to keep building until you have a point that you have enough economy to be able to finish the game. And if you don't have enough economy to finish the game, then you want to keep building that economy. And the, in these situations, the only reasons that you would want to green, really, are to be able to have take advantage of that efficiency of victory points that you get where, like I talked about earlier, provinces in two ways more efficient than a duchy. It's worth more points per card and more points per dollar. So you have to you have to be able to weigh those things against each other. In the mirror, uh, making sure that you waste as little as possible is less important than just raw speed. Uh, if you need a longer game, then you really want to make sure that you are uh, maximizing uh, every drop out of every coin that you're producing uh, more so than if you are uh, mirrored where racing to the green cards is more important. Um, anyway, green greening is a really complex topic. End game play, there's a lot more to talk about here, but hopefully I've covered the basics. And that's going to do it for this episode uh, in the money series of Making Luck Minisodes. I'm Wandering Winder, signing off. <laughs> yeah, my mom used to tell me that. Yeah. When I was a teenager. Oh. Teenager, huh? Yeah, man. That's the bottle. Nice. Hey, Parker. How are you doing, kiddo? It's like a little baby Adam. It's it's basically a baby Adam. Yeah. So... You want this? He's feeding it.
Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion <laughs> podcast. Dominion, parenting, 